Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of AP Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. Church, I'm so thankful um, for, for what God is doing, for how God is working. How many of you guys know God is faithful? God is faithful. And listen, um, the Lord really impressed um, upon my heart uh, uh, this week as I was headlong in preparation for Into the World Part 2 with the series we started last week. Uh, to, to, uh, he really impressed a word upon my heart that I believe is right now for all of us. Uh, there is a right now word for all of us and what God desires for us to do. And so I, I want to share that this morning. But I want to tell you, as we close, as we're through in this series or this sermon today, um, I please hear me. I want you to let the Father be the potter and I want you to be the clay. I want you to let the Father be the potter. In fact, just say, Lord, you're the potter. And tell him, say, I'm the clay. Because I believe he wants to work on our hearts this morning in a, in a very real and powerful way uh, for where we're going together as the body of Christ in the earth. How many of you guys know it's been a weird week? Is that an understatement? Listen, it goes back to last Sunday because the Bengals actually won. And from there it's just snowballed. But it's been a weird week. But I'm going to back up. It's been a weird year. It's been, a, it's been a weird year, and I'll be honest with you, I'd like to take 2020 and put it over my knee and give it some swift pops, swift pops to the rear end, if it had one. I, you say, Pastor, that's crazy. Listen to me for a second. Think about 2020. It's been defiant and unruly. It hasn't listened to nothing we've said. And, it's, and listen, it's causing issue after issue. And so I see that this has been such a weird year, but can I tell you, in the middle of this year, weird year, God has shown himself to be wonderful. God has shown himself to be wonderful. And so, so I, I, rather than going into that series, the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, Derek, today I want you to tell, their, tell the people to fix their focus. I want you to tell, their, tell the people to fix their focus. So today I've got a word from the Lord today entitled this, Fix Your Focus. Fix your focus. Look to your neighbor and say, fix your focus. Father, I pray over the next few minutes, Lord, they're not my words that are heard, but they are yours. Lord, I pray, God, as we have, God, even asked you today, Lord, to be the potter and we're the clay. God, that you would mold us and shape us. Allow us to hear your word today. God, allow it, Lord, to continue to shape the very essence of who we are. And God, when we leave, God, may we understand, God, what you're saying in the earth right now, God, and the responsibility. God, the beautiful responsibility we have as the people of God in the earth. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So my assignment today, church, is to preach on this subject, fix your focus. Now, I need you to know I'm from the south, and from the if you're in the south, you don't repair anything, you fix it. You don't repair anything, you fix it. Just like we don't turn stuff on, we cut it on. That's how we roll in the south. But in all sincerity, listen to me. I believe the Lord is saying fix your focus today. Not because your focus is broken and unfixable, but because so many people's focus has become bent. So many people's focus has become bent. Can anybody agree with me the enemy has tried to bend our focus the entire year? He's tried to bend our focus the, the entire year. And he certainly tried to bend our focus this week. 
He certainly tried to bend our focus this week. You say, Pastor, you don't know my focus is bent. Oh, yes, I do. Because 50% of our nation is bent out of shape right now. Bent out of shape right now. I just Listen, think about 2020 for a minute. I, I see three major and legitimate issues in our nation this year vying for our attention. It started with a pandemic. Then it went to protest. Now it's gone to politics. There's three issues that are shaping and happening. Now notice, there are legitimate issues. Let me tell you why they're legitimate issues. Because disease, discrimination, and democracy are issues that we want to see improve, not get worse in Jesus' name. We want to see them get better. You say, Pastor, why do we even care? Because those things affect people, and God loves people. So we should want to see things get better that affect people. Amen? But I see those things that, that, are, that, are, that have just been a part of this year, bending people's focus. But the Lord spoke to me on Friday directly and said, fix your focus. One more time, look at your neighbor and say, fix your focus. Let me tell you why this is so important, why this is so relevant right now, church. In a world where nations threaten one another with the use of weapons of mass destruction, we have a spiritual enemy who is using weapons of mass distraction. Let me say that one more time so we can understand it. In a world where nations threaten one another with the use of weapons of mass destruction, we have a spiritual enemy who is using weapons of mass distraction. He's distracting everybody. How many of you guys know that there are, we have a war going on, but it's not against one another? It's against things of darkness in the world. And you say, well, well, what's happening? Well, why, Pastor, why, why distraction? Think about that for a minute. When you're distracted, you're not what? You're not focused. When you're distracted, you are not focused. And, and the Lord is getting our attention even today to remind us to fix our focus. To fix our focus. Now, I want to get in this morning in a few minutes how we can fix and keep our focus from the Word of God. But I want to go in a specific direction just for a minute because I want to ask this question this morning. And it's this. When do we easily lose focus in our lives? When do we lose focus in our lives? Let me tell you. When something happens that we weren't planning on. We lose focus in our lives when something happens that we weren't planning on. This whole year, I feel like, could be summed up in this statement. Are you ready? There's been a change of plans. This whole year could be summed up in this statement. There's been a change of plans. Now, now, now some of you, literally, your palms just got sweaty. You got hives at the thought of planes being changed. You guys that are planners and organizers, you're like my wife. You like things to be detailed before we leave. When we've been on vacation weeks ago, she had every day mapped out. And you know what? I felt like I was being suffocated. I was like, honey, let me breathe. Let's have some kind of just random moment just for a minute. You can see why she helps me so much in my life. How many of you guys, men, how many of you guys know your wives are a gift from the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. But sometimes when we hear that phrase, there's been a change of plans, it makes our blood pressure go up. I can hear my wife right now telling me, Derek, there's been a change of plans. And I say, well, babe, what did the kids do? But if I call her and say, babe, there's been a change of plans, she bypasses the kids and says, Derek, what did you do? 
That hurts, but it's fair based on my track record. But I've discovered something about humanity, something really about all of us, church, is this. We like our plans. Come on, can I get a witness from somebody? We like our plans. We like things to happen the way we expect them to. And then when something or someone changes those plans, we immediately have questions. We immediately have reservations. We immediately have frustrations in our lives. Does that feel like 2020 to anybody in the room? There's been a change of plans. God, I wasn't planning on this. You know, I find several scriptures in God's word church about the plans that God has. How many of you guys know some of those scriptures? Like Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. How about Psalm 37, 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Isaiah 14, 26, I have a plan for the whole earth, a hand of judgment upon the nations. Psalm 138, 8, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. Is anyone thankful that God's promises and plans are over your life this morning? I'm thankful for that. Listen, here's what I found though. Listen to me. Because we're being, we're being real and transparent because it's been a weird week. It's been a weird year. We will celebrate these verses every day, all day, as it pertains to the things we believe the Lord is going to change in our lives. We will celebrate those verses as long as those things change that we believe we want him to change in our lives. But what happens when things change that we didn't want changed? What happens when things happen that we didn't want to happen? What's our response? What's our, what's our, 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 our thoughts in those moments when things go differently than how we plan? Because when something happens that we weren't planning on, listen to me, we don't celebrate as much. When something happens that, that we didn't think was gonna happen, we don't, we don't really celebrate as much. In fact, a lot of our times his response is, God, why is there a change of plans? God, why, God, why is there a change of plans? I wasn't planning on this. God, I wasn't planning on this. And hear me, it's in those moments. It's in those moments, church, that Satan attempts to use that weapon of distraction to try and bend our focus. It's in those moments that Satan tries to use that weapon of distraction to try and bend our focus. And listen, it has certainly happened many times this year and certainly this week with the outcome of the presidential election so far. It has, it has, it has been things that we haven't anticipated. And I will go ahead and say this, listen to me. I will say that the outcome doesn't look like it's quite settled yet. Doesn't look like it's quite settled. Why? Because it seems like there are details of litigation um, that are pending that could take weeks and maybe even months. And so I'm gonna go ahead and tell you what our response needs to be in this moment. We need to continue to pray and say, Lord, whatever your will is, that's what we want. Lord, we want your will to be done. Lord, we don't want what we want, we want what you want. I do not believe that the church stops short of prayer and fasting and intersection before this election. I don't believe that we missed our opportunity to, to cry out to the Lord. So what I'm telling you is this, is that whatever happens, we're gonna have to trust the Lord. We're gonna have to believe that God is sovereign and God is still in control. So that means we don't get to pout if our candidate we voted for doesn't sit in the White House. 
We're going to have to give God praise anyway. We're going to have to trust the Lord anyway. Why? Here's what I've learned. Listen to me. The world doesn't understand it, but as you know, the highest authority in this earth is still under the feet of Jesus. So listen to me. That why the Bible says that heaven is the Lord's throne and the earth is his footstool. So that means the highest position in the earth, no matter who sits there, they are still under the feet of our king and his name is Jesus. But we have to pray. Our response right now can't be one of worry or frustration. It must be one where we continue to pray for the will of the Lord and for complete truth throughout this unprecedented process. And then whoever is declared president, hear me, we gotta pray for him. Whoever is declared president, we're gonna pray for that person. Why? Because regardless of what happens with this election or what happens in the coming days, the church, the ecclesia, the people of God in the earth must not allow their focus to be bent during this critical time. We cannot allow our focus to be bent during this critical time. Rather, church, we must be committed to focusing on making disciples and making a difference and advancing the kingdom of God wherever we go. If you believe that, somebody say amen. We must be committed to making disciples, making a difference, advancing the kingdom of God. So let's talk for a few minutes. How can we fix our focus and keep our focus? How can we fix our focus if it's gotten bent this year or bent this week and keep our focus? And instead of three points today, I've got three scriptures that I wanna take a minute. I wanna extrapolate some revelation and some reminders for each of us. So let's get into the word this morning. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. If you've got your Bibles, go with me there quickly. It's on the screen. So that way you got it no matter what. But here's what it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance, somebody say endurance, the race God has set before us. How many of you guys know a, a, a life with God is not a sprint, it's a marathon? But notice what the text says. It says, we do this. By keeping our eyes on who? Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our frustration. Our fear. Our faith. Our faith. Let me be transparent for a minute. It boggles my mind sometimes when men and women of God can so easily be swayed in their faith because of things happening around them. The Bible says God does not change. So if God does not change, if you can trust him in one season, you can trust him in the next. But notice what the text says. It says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Verse one, it says, strip off every weight. The weight of what? The weight of the weapon of distraction. Strip off the weight. And then he says, he says, don't let sin trip you up. Don't let sin slow us down. How many of you guys know sin will slow down your purpose in the earth? It will cause seasons to, to not be what they could have been because there is separation 
between you and the Father. But notice, we fix and we keep our focus, church, by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We fix our focus by keeping our eyes on Jesus. And hear me, not just the eyes in our head, but the eyes of our heart. Not just the eyes right here, but the eyes that we have in our heart. We fix our focus by keeping our eyes on Jesus, our champion. How many of you guys know Jesus really is the champ? Listen, he's not the challenger because he's already won. And he's not a chump because he will back up what he says. So that only leaves one place for him. He's the champ. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is my champion. Come on, tell him. I've got a t-shirt that says champion everywhere. I thought about wearing it today, but I saved you, so you're welcome. We have to fix our focus on Jesus. Listen to me. Fix our focus on Jesus and fix our focus on who he is. Why? Because Jesus is the author. The other translation of this says he is the author and the finisher of our faith. How many of you guys know the Bible says that what he starts, he will finish? What he starts, he will complete. And so I find something. What does that mean? Listen to me. That means on Satan's best day. Are you ready? On Satan's best day, he is only an agitator and an accuser in your life. He can never, listen, he can never be an author because heaven didn't give him a pen, honey. So that means the best he can do is try to distract you from everything God is speaking and calling you to accomplish in the earth. But we fix our focus by keeping our eyes on Jesus, by keeping our eyes on Jesus. And so we understand something. So what does that mean about Satan? I heard a pastor say this last week, and it's so good. He said, Satan will never quit, but he always loses. He'll never quit, but he always loses. Why? I told you, he can't hold the pen. He's not an author. Jesus holds the pen of your story, which means you can give God praise because if Jesus started it, he's going to finish it in his name. If you believe that, somebody give the Lord praise in this house. Your life and my life, every detail, they're in his hands. Everything about our lives are in the hands of the Lord. But we must fix our focus and keep our eyes on Jesus. Scripture number two, Colossians chapter three, verses one and two. Here's what it says. If you were then raised with Christ, meaning you found new life, anybody thankful for new life in Jesus? Can I tell you one of the greatest, uh, greatest weapons the enemy will try to use on our new life we find in the Lord? He tries to make new life feel old. Listen to me. Don't let your new life in the Lord get old. Let it be a gift every day that God saved you from the mess that you called your life. And he set your feet upon a rock that was himself. And he said, from this point on, when the storms of life come in, you know that you are not going down because I am with you. But notice what the text says. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek. Somebody say, seek. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So see this, we fix our focus when we seek those things which are above. We fix our focus when we seek those things which are above. Seek what, pastor? The king and his kingdom. 
the king and his kingdom. Seek those things that are spiritual. What does that mean? It means let your attention and affection be on spiritual realities. We get so caught up and so bent out of shape about things that happen here and forget about the truth of the word of God and the kingdom of God that's applicable to our lives. Can I get a witness from somebody about that? We can't forget that, church. We have to set our sights, set our mind, our affection, and our attention on spiritual realities. So what does the text say? It says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Say, Pastor, how can I set my mind there? Can I remind you, you should be able to set your mind there because you're already there. You should be able to set your mind there because you're already there. Ephesians 2.6 says this. It says, and raised up together, and we were made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. To sit in heavenly places. That means when you got saved, that means your position changed. You now sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. But see something, that means then that if our position is changed, our perspective should change. If we're seated in heavenly places, we should have a heavenly perspective. But let me go a step further, because I'll tell you this. If you want the peace of heaven, you better have the perspective of heaven. There are so many people that are just disheveled this week because of everything that's happened. They don't have peace in their spirit. Can I tell you why? Because you're not gonna have the peace of heaven if you don't have the perspective of heaven. And so he says to us, he says, hey, make sure you set your mind on things that are above. Make sure we understand we fix our focus when we're not focused on what's around us, but we focus on who's above us. And so we, speak, we seek spiritually heavenly things because we're seated there. But what happens when there's a change of plans is this, is we set our mind on things above and then we pick it up later. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We'll keep it there, but when something happens that we weren't expecting to happen, then we pick our mind up and say, no, my, my mind's not on those places. Now my mind are on all the things that are around me. Now, now my mind are on all the things that are happening around me. And some of you say, Pastor, when you say that, uh, you want me to live completely unaware of what's going on around me. Not at all. We're in a series that we took a break from called Into the World. We are sent into this world. We need to be aware of what's happening in the world in which we live. We need to be aware of the world, but listen to me. Be aware of what's around us, but give your attention to what's above. Give your attention to what's above. Why? Because when your attention is focused and fixed on the king and his kingdom, Jesus actually tells us in Matthew 6, that he'll take care of everything else. Listen, listen to me. Please hear me for a minute. Please stop striving so hard to accomplish something that Jesus said he would give you if you trust him. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else shall be added unto you. Everything. Notice he didn't say some things, he said everything. All these things shall be added unto you. So hear me this morning. Keeping your mind on things above doesn't make you empty-minded, it makes you eternally minded. Keeping your mind on things above does not make you empty-minded, it makes you eternally minded. So see this, church. 
Christ is already there and so is your spirit in those heavenly places. So set your mind and keep it there. Set your mind and keep it there. You fix your focus when you're focused on what's above regardless of what's going on around you. So let me break it down in layman's terms even right now. Please understand, regardless of who sits in the Oval Office in the coming years, the remnant of the church is going to rise. And there is going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And there is going to be a revival. There is going to be a harvest of souls like the world has never seen. Why? Because that's what's already been written above and we've got to keep our mind right there regardless of what's going on around us. I told you months ago when we started gathering back again in person that the world can be in chaos but the people of God can walk in a Kairos season because when God says it, the world can't stop it. If you believe that, somebody give God praise because he's good. Last verse, Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. It says, trust in the Lord. Somebody say, trust in the Lord. With all your heart. With all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. Listen, and he will show you which path to take. Can I read the, the word of God that's alive one more time? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. You fix your focus when you trust the Lord with all of your heart. Not in some areas, all areas. You fix your focus when you trust the Lord with all of your heart. Here's why this is relevant. Because the truth is, church, sometimes what you have in mind is not what God has in store. What you have in mind is not what God has in store. That's why the next part of that verse says, do not depend on your own understanding. Do not depend on your own understanding. Because, listen, there are times when things happen that you're not going to understand. That's why it's called trust. There are times. Listen, I had no idea four years ago when I sat back there and said, yes, what life was going to be. But I trusted the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Why? Because God cannot fail. He can't fail. He won't fail. In fact, he can do anything but fail. 
So we have to understand something. If what we had in mind is not what God has in store, then we have to say, Lord, I'm not going to depend on my finite understanding, but I am going to completely trust you. I'm going to completely trust you. Recognize something. I told you Satan is an agitator and, and Satan is an accuser. Listen, our God is not an irritator and our God is not a dictator. Our God is an orchestrator. He's an orchestrator, church. So that means that we can and we should trust his ways and trust his word. Trust his ways and trust his word. Psalm 1830, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. Somebody say amen to the word of God right there. God's ways are perfect. All his promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. How about Romans 8:28 as it pertains to the word of God? And we know that God causes everything. Somebody say everything. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. But when you go back to Proverbs 3 now, now the Bible says this. It says, seek his will, and he will show you which path to take. You understand, even on the context of that verse, that means there's more than one path we can take. There's more than one path to choose. See, when things happen differently then what we were expecting, there are always two paths you can take. When things happen differently than what we were expecting, there are always two paths you can take. Number one is this, the path where you slide down into turmoil and fear. The path where you slide down into turmoil. Now listen, I'm gonna be very transparent with you. There are too many people that say Jesus is Lord in their life that have chosen that path this year. They have slid down into turmoil and fear. But there's another path that we can choose. And the other path is this. We don't have to slide down in turmoil and fear. Rather, the path is we can stand up and trust and faith and believe that God is who he says he is. We can rise up in trust and in faith and believe that God is has got it. If you believe that, say amen. amen. What does that mean, pastor? That means this. That means that if you have given your life to Jesus, if you believe that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life, he's got your life in his hands. Listen, he's got your family. He's got his church. He's got his kingdom. He's got it all. He is in control. So that means even in times of uncertainty, what should our response be? Lord, we trust in who you are and we have faith that what you said will come to pass in Jesus' name. No matter what it is, no matter who said it could be differently or what it would be differently, remember, Satan doesn't hold the pen. Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. But we've got to make sure that we fix our focus on Jesus. 
We've got to make sure that we trust him. We've got to make sure that we don't let the things of this world and those weapons of mass distraction keep us from walking in everything that God has for our lives in the earth. Come on, stand to your feet all over the room. I was talking to my dad this week who's probably watching right now. Hey, dad. He said, he said son, he said, he said, I just feel like the, the enemy has tried to put a spirit of, a spirit of heaviness on everybody this week. Anybody felt a little heavy this week? Not because you ate too much. I'm not talking about that kind of heavy. Just that spirit of heaviness that will try to jump on you sometime. That spirit that will make you doubt. Be distracted. Not see clearly because you're not focused on what's above, you're focused on what's around you. You know, the Bible even talks about a spirit of heaviness. It says, take off a spirit of heaviness and put on the garment of praise. I know there's so there are some uncertainties, there are some frustrations, there are some questions about what's happening everywhere. But I'm telling you something. Fix your focus and trust the Lord. Fix your focus and put your eyes on Jesus, who's the champ. Listen, fix your focus and say, Lord, I'm not going to let my mind be on things around me. I'm going to let my mind be on the realities of heaven even while I'm in the earth. And Lord, I'm going to fix my focus I'm going to trust in you with all of my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but in all of my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you and you are going to direct my path. So here's what I want us to do today. I want everybody to open up your arms, just like this. See, because if you remember, we prayed a prayer that I had faith in. At the beginning of this sermon, we said, Father, you're the potter and we're the clay. So this entire time, you've been on the potter's wheel. And now God's ready to work for a minute. He's ready to work out some worry. He's ready to work out some frustration. He's ready to work out some pain and some, and some anger and questions. And there's gonna be a peace from heaven that overwhelms your soul. There's gonna be a peace of God that comes down and reminds you of who he is and who you are in him. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name for every person and for every person joining online. God, as they are responding to the spirit of who you are and they are responding to your word. God, that right now they choose to fix their focus on you. God, you remind them, God, that you do not fail. God, that your ways are perfect. God, that your word is alive and active. And God, you would continue to mold and shape every heart in this room. God, you would mold and shape every heart that would be full of trust, that would be full of faith, that would be full of a confidence and a boldness that only comes from you. And Lord, in this season, God, where Satan tries to distract us, Father, I thank you for a divine divine focus. 
Lord, I thank you for a divine focus. God, that we're gonna commit ourselves to making disciples and making a difference. God, to seeing your kingdom be advanced in our lives, in our church, in our city, in this nation, and in the world. Lord, I thank you, God, that even right now, God, that spirit of heaviness is being lifted, and there's joy unspeakable and full of glory. There is trust, God, that goes deeper than it's ever been. God, there's faith that rises up. God, in every son, in every daughter, and Father, we say yes. God, we say yes that we trust you, that believe, we believe you're working, that we believe you're able, we believe you're moving. God, we thank you. God, in the midst of turmoil, God, we know you sit on your throne. God, it doesn't matter. God, who wins an election? God, because you're not up for election. God, you're able, you're worthy. We thank you, we love you. Come on, people of God, now lift your mouth, lift your voice, give him praise, give him praise, give him praise. Give him praise. this prayer it's the, it's the last slide on there that, I, that I uploaded today there's a prayer I want us to pray in Jesus name today over ourselves over this house over our nation if it don't get there that's okay just lift your hands with me come on say this just say father fix our focus in this season let us put our eyes on you our mind with you and our trust in you in Jesus' name. Now, one more time, somebody give the Lord a shout of praise because he's good. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Bless the name of the Lord! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen to me. Before we get seated, we'll do announcements and take up the offering. Hear me. I, I'm telling you, the Lord has been so clear with me. This is not a time. I believe what's happening right now in the natural is happening, God is calling us to in the supernatural. Listen, 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 listen. Just as, they're not, just as there has not been a concession in the natural, we cannot concede in the supernatural. The Bible says in the book of Jude that we are supposed to contend. So what does that mean? Fight. Yeah. 
fight. Because if you think the battle is over on any level, you're not hearing what God is speaking in this season. God is trying to awaken his people as soldiers for war. Contend. Contend in the spirit over the election. Contend in the spirit over our city. Contend in the spirit over your family, over your marriage, over this church. Contend in the spirit for your purpose that God has given you. That we will walk in victory because we have fixed our focus. Because our eyes are on Jesus. Our mind is with Jesus and our trust is in Jesus. In Jesus' name.